What's up, Bikenberg fans? You may have noticed something weird that launched, something unexpected. Moots, long known for their high-end titanium bicycles, surprised everyone with a carbon fiber gravel e-bike, using a frame material they'd never used before and adding a motor for the first time in their history. I talked to Nate Bradley, Moots' president and one of the key people behind the new model about how it came to be, why they did it, and what's next for the brand. And of course, we talk about those wild oversized 750D gravel wheels and tires they showed off at SBT and the Made Bike Show. We've posted a full text story with images of the bike. Just search Moots on bikerumor.com to find it. And now, please welcome Nate Bradley. This episode is brought to you by Hammerhead and their full-color Karoo 2 GPS cycling computer with predictive mapping and free global maps with points of interest built in. Listeners of this podcast can get a free heart rate monitor with purchase of a Karoo 2. Visit hammerhead.io and use promo code BIKERUMOR at checkout to get yours today. Hey, Nate, welcome to the Bike Rumor Show. <laughs> hey, Tyler, how you doing, man? We're good la- to see you. Yeah, good to see you. We're, we're laughing a little because this is like the third time we've tried this. It's The uploading has failed. Technology has failed us. Yeah, we haven't made it too far, though. We haven't got really past five minutes until realizing that things yeah. went south. So Thankfully. I have done one before where we got like 20 minutes in and I realized that I had forgotten to actually start recording. So at least we didn't make that mistake because that was embarrassing. So yeah, speaking of technology, uh, you guys have yeah, something new yeah. and I'm trying to imagine that that group ride, that staff ride where you're cruising along and somebody says, hey guys, why don't we do a carbon E gravel bike? And like literally, how did such a thing become a twinkle in Moots's eye? Yeah, I mean that that was probably the the staff ride back from the brewery to here. That might have <laughs> been the first one, but um yeah, nonetheless that conversation did start somewhere along the lines in, in maybe 2017-18 era uh as I wouldn't say an unrealistic uh target, but it, it definitely was like, you know, a huge uh endeavor, so it was probably just a scope that was out there and then uh that slowly evolved or kind of quickly turned for us you know, getting, you know, feedback from our, from our customers over the, that same period of time or getting asked, uh, consistently similar questions of how come you guys don't make an e-bike or are you guys ever going to consider making an e-bike? And, you know, those questions aren't easy, easy one word answers without just getting the next question. And, you know, we started getting some comments from our dealers that they were getting asked as well from their Moots customers and they were kind of pushing us in that direction as conversations escalated more of our support base or our, our fan base you know really started taking that twinkle and turning it into maybe a, a, a real life reality of like this is something we need to consider because there's obviously some people who trust in us that are expecting this from us so that kind of falls into that early 2019 time frame where we really took it seriously and put it on our agenda as something that we're, we're going to set out and uh, try to try to you know see where we get stopped like what's going to to, to hold us back here and uh, yeah we uh, quick quickly learned um, some of the limitations of titanium that we were kind of already go- foreseeing going into this project and that kind of brought in you know the alternative material of carbon composite uh, material to something that we had 
have 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 had good experience with in the past of designing around some of the limitations of titanium has in, in like say forks forks is the um, longest one that we've worked with and brought to market and in a number of different varieties you know alpha q true temper they left the bike industry there and in, i want to say 2010 maybe 2011 um, but 2011 we really kind of brought our first uh, carbon forks to the market and since then we've We've done a number. I, I believe we're at 13 different uh, varieties from axle to crown length, tire clearance, brake mounts, you know, different axles. So we have had some experience there um, through some of our full suspension projects. We, you know, use, decided to use carbon opposed to titanium or aluminum in, in some specific cases. And then as of recently, you know, we were happy to bring the mod series components to market to use on our route CRD. So the composite talk there in 2019, 2020 really started to dominate of like, all right, titanium's a little bit limited here, not the right material for this application. You know, we work so hard of really trying to use the titanium in an elegant way throughout our model range and our sizes so that, you know, a smaller, lighter weight rider that's going to ride a all road bike has the same ride characteristics as, you know, an, an ex college football player that's six foot four and, you know, powerful, you know, one way or another, if he's a fit cyclist, he's just a strong athlete. We want them. We've, we've always tried to tune the ride specifically around the intended use and looking at what it was going to take to secure and, uh, bring all the pieces together of an e-bike system with titanium, we were basically going to eliminate any of that lust or allure out of the material itself to just build um, something that was robust enough to handle all that. So, Well, not, not just robust, but I imagine like good looking too, right? Like you can probably picture a, a cast motor mount with just a titanium tube sticking out of it to be the down tube or the seat tube. And that's pretty ugly, but you know, to get that molded kind of like full body, really sculpted shape of what you guys have done with carbon. I mean, never mind what it yeah. like cost or weigh. Is that even like possible to kind of create that big of a down tube section? Yeah. I mean, like you see, you know, some great stuff happening in the 3D printing world right now out in the bike industry. It, 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 we probably all can relate to it a lot easily, but like outside the bike industry as well. And the scale is still getting is growing larger and larger but uh i mean it's just there's still so many limitations in 3d printing titanium as well that you wouldn't ultimately be able to print a whole bike and make it essentially look like a, a molded or uh you know hydroformed um outcome that you would like you know 3d printing it it does have some boundaries it's not the answer for everything so would it have been possible to like hydroform a tube that big, you know, like a, a four or five inch diameter titanium tube? <laughs> yeah, titanium, it doesn't necessarily hydroform as well as what a um, what an aluminum material would. And the titanium, you, you would run in and on some of those larger scales of getting, you know, spring back or yield points um, of how much you can manipulate it and actually be sufficient and then not not to even go that far of like what the material could hold up to it's just would you actually be generating strength to handle all this stuff so you, you likely would be 
diminishing the strength of the material um, by having to manipulate it so much. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, you know, the, you know, where we got to with the YE bike aspect of it, you know, from that ride back from the brewery as a bunch of, you know, people thinking outside the box in probably a number of ways was we're heart and soul here, just bike riders, right? Like we're a small group in Northwest Colorado. It's a rough season here from winter for five, six months to to summer for five, six months. And like, we're fortunate to have a very good landscape around us of national forests and open land and probably some world renowned gravel roads that, you know, this day and age seem to draw traffic in year round you know people come here to ski in the winter but also come here to ride bikes and we we see more and more people ride by the front door of the factory just to go out and and ride our high class gravel so it's uh champagne gravel right is there there's a little uh, event called <laughs> sbt that's kind of growing in popularity <laughs> i'm not going to discriminate if it's called champagne gravel but it's it's definitely really really nice you know it's good infrastructure rolling hills very safe, beautiful views and, and great surfaces. So, but it's not like that for everybody. And like, you know, there's gravel where you're at, that's completely different than here, but like, we don't just make one gravel bike. We make five, you know, we, we have everything from the race bike to the adventure bike. You know, we have people here in the factory that they'll participate in any type of event that be from a town challenge to like you said sbt and then there's other people that rather just go ride their bike and camp for the weekend and their their intended use is completely different but we really believe in let's build the stuff we want to ride and i think that's what sparked that initial kind of light or glimmer of you know why are why why are we trying to lead the industry in gravel and be the pioneers and kind of own this category to the fullest and we're not exploring what our customers and dealers are asking for and what other brands are kind of delving in and that being an e-bike in the gravel space. So that's what put it on the map for us. That's what really got us thinking. And that's where our kind of target direction was there was, you know, let's build this out completely. Let's make sure our gravel lineup has a complimentary point for every person along the way. Cool. I like... um I like the way the bike looks. I want to talk to you about the design and stuff, but I'm, I'm kind of curious with the motor selection. Uh, I, I have a guess as to why you went with Shimano just based on the spec, but I am curious, Did you? what else did you look at? Because I know there's the um, the one with the gearbox integrated to the e-bike e motor now that seems like a pretty clever solution, You know, maybe more for full suspension mountain bikes where you're trying to get that weight off of the back end and allow for more flexibility, but um, what else did you guys look at beyond Shimano or maybe even beyond mid-motor designs? Yeah, you know, the, the path of least resistance, you know, started out at, at a hub-driven system. But, you know, you spend a little time on hub-driven systems, and, and I think they're not necessarily for everybody. They have their, they have their purpose and their place. And, you know, I think uh, us looking to build like a, a premium-level gravel bike really drove us to the... Um, you know, drive unit system, the bottom bracket replacement, uh, mid motor, whatever the, whatever the correct way the market is referring to it at this point. Um, we, we started off there in that 2020, really vetting uh, the different options there. And that was really when class three was starting to make its name um, from the industry side, like from our side of the industry of 
class one being pedal assist at 20 miles an hour is a little bit restrictive on the road gravel side it, of things. It, it kind it, of it, sucks. Let's be real. I mean, for a cyclist, yeah. you know, I'm using air quotes, cyclist, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, you cap out. It's amazing how easy it is to cap out a 20. And then it's just like, ugh, it's like yeah. pedaling through mud all of a sudden. Yeah. You add a little bit of assist and you're amazed at how many different riders uh, ability wise will hit that 20 point. 20 mile an hour point you raise it up to 28 miles an hour it's remarkable how many people will stay at 25 26 as their top speed and even at 28 when you go past it you don't really go past it intensely you you just ease past it and so you don't have that dead spot and in 2020 when it was first starting to come to market there wasn't a lot of people um, manufacturing e-bike systems or drive unit systems that were capable of class three. So we looked into the um, Fazua Ride 50 system was where we started. And one of the big things with that was uh, obviously it had good weight, it had good good output, you know, it was capable of class three. We were you know, well into the design elements, characteristics of that, bringing that to market. Um, but we were having a hard time really getting past uh, some of the rider feedback that was already out there in the industry of the range. And there was a couple bikes that had had a similar system and set up and, and the range was really coming up short for a lot of people. And the feedback we got is like what was very similar to the car industry of range anxiety of, pe- of people like expecting to be able to do these rides and, and not being able to complete them as intended. And, uh, that shifted it away from us really quickly. And the Fazua system was also changing by the time we were looking to, to um, come to market. And, and mind you, like component delivery at the time, you know, in 2021, when we were looking to come to market was, was the biggest, you know, hiccup on that, that front. So the Fazua Ride 65 system was, was in talks in 2020. And uh, we were kind of going to either sit on our hands with it or um, kind of wait or start kind of designing in, in a little bit of a uh, early stage in a beta stage around that ride 65 system so we we had we've had a great relationship with shimano for decades now and what became really appealing to us was building something that is from a brand that people hold in a well regard of knowing that they're going to be around um, knowing that their support is good and knowing that they build quality componentry and being able to build the whole system on our end underneath one umbrella really tied the integration together a lot better. And what I mean by that is like the controls, the rider experience. And that's what we were kind of losing on some of these independent drive systems where you would have to add like a ring controller or an accessory button. You weren't able to integrate the shifting and assist right into the componentry like you are for like for this case from Shimano, you know, our assist is controlled by the two buttons on the left-hand shifter. Our, you know, gears are controlled by the two buttons on the right-hand shifter. The screen is navigatable through the on-off switch. You have two accessory buttons on top of the each shifter that control the um, auto shift and, and the manual shift mode. So it just really made it more modernized to like, where do we expect to be in 22, 23? with integration and, and like user experience. And that was, that was kind of the shifting point. And we escalated the conversations with Shimano. We really got, it really became apparent of like, let's use their battery. 
That's yeah. that's what we're hearing is, is the range thing's a big deal. And Shimano has this 504 watt hour battery. Let's use their battery. And that's where we started the design of trying to flush out the down tube and position the motor at a angle that kind of streamlines it all. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was, the, that was the starting point there of our design direction and deciding on Shimano. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Hammerhead. Power, speed, and cadence are all pretty standard these days, but what if your bike computer could predict upcoming gradient changes or find you a cafe or campsite along your route? The Hammerhead Karoo 2's free global maps with points of interest, full color touchscreen, and advanced GPS routing let you see the road ahead and their climber mode shows upcoming climbs and gradient with or without a route loaded. Check it out at hammerhead.io and use promo code BIKEROOMER to get a free heart rate monitor with purchase of the Karoo 2. Just add both to your cart and use that code to get this exclusive offer just for our listeners. Yeah, that's cool. The, that integration with all the buttons directly into the system and the shifting everything is pretty slick. I also really like that you guys have... The um, you know the the drop bar shifters obviously, but with the XT Di2 rear mech and the um, you know it is an 11 speed cassette with the link light and all that you know presumably because that's what the Di2 stuff works with and it's the more e bike friendly you know little more durable system, um, but yeah it's just it, it's a really nice kind of mixed build and fully integrated. So you guys, you do make a 100-mile range claim, which I know there's all the caveats about how you ride, when, rider weight, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. 100 miles is a pretty solid range estimate for that. And I, I was looking at the specs, and yeah, the 504-watt battery. So how are you getting that much range out of that battery? Because there's e-bikes that are intentionally specking like much larger batteries that don't claim anywhere near that range. Yeah, how are you, how are you pulling that one off? That's a great question, and and you touched on it a little bit there. That it's it's not it's not it, it it varies, right? Like it's not consistent depending on where you're riding, how you're riding, what you're doing. Like, are you pushing hard? Are you self pedaling? You know. But for the most part, the the battery is is the start of it, um, and then the tune is the next part of it. And so we have it tuned in across two profiles. One on the first profile, um, we're referring to as Explore in the system. And then the second profile is John. And so we have them programmed. So Explorer has four levels of assist, um, up to 60 newton meters of output through the drive unit. And that, the, that, the power curve and way the assist start speed comes on really limits, um, the battery drain. It'll sip more of the power. It'll come on more progressively rather than that quick hit. Every time you turn those pedals over, push torque input into the system, you get a bigger surge of power. So we have a smoother draw of power at the beginning, and then you'll get up to the peak levels of assist through all four of those um, ranges. Whereas that's in the explore mode, whereas the jaunt mode is, is a little different program or tune. It's a little more simplistic, three levels of assist. The power comes on a little more quickly, and that's the like that's that's the intent of the diversity of the two. If you want to get out and explore, you want to go adventure, you want to prepare yourself to 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 not know what your exact route is going to be. You'll go in the explore mode. You'll use the levels of assist as you need. You know, you want to level out this little, you know, four to ten minute climb. You just go up a level of assist. You want to get through this deeper section. Go up a level of assist, or if you're just pedaling along. And you're, you're feeling good about your pace on that service, you go down the level and assist. 
The jaunt mode is more of like, hey, you know, you're going out for 30, 40 miles. You can get the more peak power quickly across three different levels. It come, the power comes on faster and gets the peak. So you're, you're feeling a lot more effortless ride experience. You know, you're feeling like you're almost just getting driven by the, by the drive unit. So kind of a little bit of diversity. And I mean, I hope that kind of answers that question there, but like the, the tune of just being able to extend the power. And yeah, we have had some good real world testing, you know, obviously up until this point and, um, feel pretty confident that, you know, in a lot of, a lot of different circumstances and cases, people will be, be able to get past a hundred pretty easily. Nice. So the, the next kind of, I think, obvious question for Moots fans is, you know, like your titanium frames, you guys pride yourself on making them in-house in Steamboat, Colorado. What's, what, are you making carbon bikes now? In-house? I no. mean, obviously you're making a carbon bike. No. But <laughs> no. No. At this point, we're trying to just find space for like the next stuff that shows up, whether that's more paper to go into the, you know, coffee machine or the next batch <laughs> of, of, you know, components that show up at the door each day. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, this, that's, that's the other thing that we know that we need to be transparent on. Like, you know, we, we've designed this bike here, you know, we've, we've tested it here, we've engineered it here. Or we assemble everyone here. We stand behind it just like every other bike and every other product that we put our brand name on, that we put our head badge on. Like we're confident in this bike as we would of one that we make here. We, you know, have worked with two partners, um, in, in China and in Taiwan for a little over 10 years now on a number of different composite products and they've, They've helped us a lot. They've educated us a lot. They, you know, they've, they've tested things and told us like what it would be better. They've advised in right ways. And, you know, we got to this point that we're like, these are the people that we consider on our internal side, on our back end, on our co company side as our partners. And like, we expect them to be able to execute the products that have our names on them at the same level as the you know, people that walk through the door each day. So yeah, these are, these frames aren't getting laid up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, but they bleed the same, you know, moots blood as everything that comes in this door. And every one of these will leave the store, um, with our hands touching each one. Cool. Is, uh, the, the shape, I mean, it looks, you know, it looks very, very sloping. Um, and I think a lot of that seems to be coming cause it's a fairly tall front end, you know, tall fork. Um, is that because you guys wanted to be able to add a suspension fork to it, or did you just like that kind of upright ride position? Or was that, I, I, well, answer that, but also, like, I, I'm kind of thinking, too, like, I, I might be stereotyping a little bit here, but, you know, the Moots, Moots are expensive bikes. The Moots customer might be a little bit um, more well-off, which sometimes means older. Maybe they just want a more upright position. Like, what, what kind of define that geometry? The axle to crown on the fork is longer. You're correct there. It's a 420 axle to crown. It's parallel to our route ESC. It's a 25 millimeters longer than, you know, what's more or less standard on a, like a gravel bike. Um, and, and that was intended, um, with the thought in mind of potentially, you know, people might want to add a gravel suspension fork on here. There's a number of them that kind of fall into that sag dimension. Um, once you're in the, like 20, 25% of the travel around that 420 mark. So that was kind of where we were starting there. Um, the sloping top tube, it's something that we've always kind of 
as a frame builder dealt with with, with customers of, of standover. And as gravel bikes consistently get larger volume tires, you know, standover becomes one of those real crux things from size, you know, 54 you know, mediums all the way down to the, to the smallest riders. So that sloping top tube um, is to get a lot of standover. And then we have done numerous evaluations over the years of seat post flex is a very important thing for in-saddle um, comfort. So having a, a decent length seat post um, adds some compliance there. But yeah, I wouldn't say that your um, acknowledgement of the rider position is a out of the ballpark either. This is definitely meant to be a more upright back angle. We we have always done that with gravel, but our gravel bikes, um, trying to put the rider in a position that be a little bit more upright, a little bit more in control than where your ra- racier road bike position would be. Um, so trying to keep that back angle up in a like a, that comfortable position so that you can react and respond and uh, be in control has always been important. And now that we add assist and weight, it, it seemed like that was going to be suitable for everybody that was riding this bike, not just the experience to inexperience or large or small, like everybody would benefit from that. All right, cool. Uh, you mentioned that this project kind of, the idea anyway, started way back in like 2017 and then 2019, 20, it started to get pieced together. And then here we are in, you know, late 2023 and it's just getting announced. What was, uh, I, I imagine COVID had something to do with the very long development cycle of this. But um, yeah, like what, we talked a little bit before we started recording. You said like, yeah, like now we're, it seems like we're kind of on a roll with this and some other stuff. But it's in reality, it's yeah. just sort of like you were stuck not being able to launch anything for a while. And now it's this and you guys just showed off those wild 750D giant gravel wheels um tell me about those yeah yeah i mean just to touch on the timing on on the e-bike coming to market you know the pandemic it it still is a real thing you know like with supply chain stuff stuff still isn't the way it was before i mean it's definitely there's definitely more inventory in a lot of cases but still being able to deliver and land and figure things out are always are always a challenge it seems on a, on a routine basis at this point and you know we didn't want to bring this to market um at the beginning of the year because we were still you know compressing our backlog and we're still trying to manage all this assembly and hands-on and you know logistics of this bike that even though what we allude to of it being outsourced we own this project and 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 we only have so many resources so it, we had to get back into a point of competency of our uh, resource availability before we could put more wood on the fire. So we were our own worst enemies in this case, um, but we were on the back end of a of a hardship as well. And then, uh, yeah, the 750D wheel thing, that really calls the stir. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. It's a good way to but, get press, yeah, right? Do something crazy and different and <laughs> you're in the news. Yeah. I think, you know, like I, I wouldn't say we're game for anything. Like you just give us anything and we'll, we'll go forward with it. But we've got some close friends, um, personal close friends and, you know, obviously industry contacts and partners at WTB. And uh, yeah, they know what we're up to. They know that we're trying to really dominate gravel and really try to, you know, own that kind of sector. And we start talking about, you know, the 750D wheel size. And obviously we've, we've had a number of experiences and um, over the years of 
just building bikes for different people and different applications that you can see an advantage here. And so once that's, once we started talking about this, I, I was like, well, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it in the summertime and do it around SVT where we're going to get a lot of exposure and made. And, and to be perfectly honest, we had it on display for the whole week of SVT in front of thousands of people and nobody saw it. So it kind of blended <laughs> well, one in. One guy and, saw it and then it kind of blew up. <laughs> Props to yeah, Ben for catching that one. I think that we might have put that bird in his ear <laughs> later in the week there too. But let, nonetheless, there's a lot of stuff going on at that event. And then, yeah, obviously, you know, it, it caused a bit of hysteria at the maid show and uh, maybe some controversy. But, you know, I don't think we're the only ones, I think, uh, that are that are pushing this. I think that um, potentially the there there's some other people that are exploring stuff, maybe not necessarily with 750D um, explicitly, but. Yeah, I mean, we've been riding this bike and we've got a couple wheel sets and different tire variants, tread patterns, and I think it does serve a good purpose. You know, is it the next silver bullet? Probably not. Um, but like, is, is there improvements and gains in certain areas? There, there's definitely, there definitely is. Um, so we'll keep pursuing this path and, uh, yeah, we'll see what, what unfolds. It's, it's been fun. It's just, it's just fun to, you know, use our size and our flexibility to, to try things like that. Yeah. So the D in 750D, did you literally just pick it because it's the next letter? You have 650B, 700C, and let's just, let's use D or does it actually mean something? I didn't pick the, I didn't pick the <laughs> naming. You know, it's, it's been a standardized naming in a European naming system that's been there in the market for a while. Um, we just haven't identified it in the bike industry, but yeah, we went ahead and, you know, put a second D on our, uh, branding of that model for the display purposes so we're just calling it the double d around the shop here this which makes sense it's got two 750d wheels on it and gets a lot of attention so nice so then what else you, know, you said like this is kind of your chance now that you're caught up on your backlog of orders which it's funny that you say hardship because i think a lot of brands right now would be uh would die to have a backlog of orders instead of a backlog of inventory yeah like cranking through all those bikes because you guys are making them in house and trying to fill those orders and everything. What, what else is on the moots wish list that you might be working on that you can share with us? Um, yeah. Uh, right now I think we all are ready to take like a week off to be perfectly honest. I'd like wish list outside of bikes, just a little breathing room just because of like bringing, bringing some of this stuff to market and, has been a little bit intense, but, and yeah, I think everybody deserves, um, a little bit of space here, um, to just, you know, catch up. It has been fun, uh, having a good backlog and just knowing that we just keep working through it. And we're very fortunate to have, um, to, to what you alluded to, like, we're very fortunate to have that circumstance, but that didn't come easily. And I think everybody, if we got a little bit of a refresher and came up for air, that's probably the next best thing before we just, you know, rip the Band-Aid off on a carbon e-bike and just <laughs> go for the next thing. But the componentry was a good thing. You know, we were happy to do that stem and handlebar. And then we were able to kind of pair that together between our internally routed uh, route CRD and our Express. So that was a good project. That's a small one. I think we're working on some other stuff around UDH. Um, on the mountain bike side and on bringing it into our kind of full lineup that probably be expected at this point outside of that 
just looking to do a little bit more of uh how would you say it? not not to devalue our kind of internal routed composite stem but looking to do a titanium version of a internal routed stem that will work with our interface and be suitable on there is probably in the cards that may be seen in the next year just got to iron some things out and big big stuff um yeah i think we're working on a helicopter but <laughs> we haven't decided if we're going to use fuel or batteries so we're right. still in the development phases nice so it would be good for uh hill of ski lifting right yeah 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 awesome. get out to the back country a little easier there you go or, or even better uh hill of bike lift that's, yeah no kidding year round use that's, that's right what, that's that's what the express is for it's the reality of that yeah awesome man well nice thanks so much for your time i appreciate the the chat and for giving us a little insight into what might be coming next for moots too yeah man great catching up talk soon if you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast and fill in the form to submit your idea You'll also find links and photos for this episode there, plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at Bike Rumor on all the things. And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.